Now we're going into the world of humans in general and uh, just why we do what we do. And uh, I am a spiritual person, I am a Christian, um, and I do like to talk about faith and love and everything in between. So, um, welcome to Carrie Lloyd. Quantum physics, what is it? What does it mean? Quantum physics. Darling, welcome to the podcast. This week I have my friend Joshua. Oh, hello. How do I actually pronounce your surname? Because I say Marlin, but it's not. That's no, not, not right, it. is it? It's Moline. <laughs> so like Mo, like I want some Mo, and I'm leaning against the wall. Moline. Are you actually leaning against? I, I the can't wall. you use your eyes and <laughs> see that I'm clearly <laughs> leaning against the wall as I speak into I this lit- microphone. <laughs> This is uh, this is a, a newish friend, actually, to be honest with you, because obviously I, I'd have known his surname a bit better if uh, <laughs> I'd known him for longer than a few months. But um, this is uh, your last name is Yoid, right? It's yeah, like that's the right. L Yoid is the yes, a- it's a- the a- silence, L-Y-A. silence A, yeah, the silent Very A. Yoid. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and um, he's a friend of Amanda Cooks and Jacob Cooks, and they raved about him all the time, and they said that we should hang and meet each other, and lo and behold. Here we are. I've dragged you it's into nice a podcast. You. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you. Well, also, the other thing is, he don't play Scrabble with him because <laughs> he will thrash you and your confidence will take a good week to recover. So, um, one of the things I do know about you is I, that you I love science. Game, I cheated in that game. Did you? I did. What? When did you cheat? You bluffed, though. I you did. did. I, did I think bluff. you purposefully misspelled. Well, firstly, you wouldn't let me use a dictionary, which I thought was rude. And secondly... <laughs> you wanted to use it before you spelled the word. I, did, I, I wanted to check that it was correct, just uh-huh. as you would if you were typing a letter. Mm. And the other thing was, but then you actually misspelled things on purpose, knowing that I was intimidated by your intelligence, and I was scared to challenge, and then you got away with it, and then I discovered that a lot of the things you put down on that board were incorrect. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there was one thing. Keen. Two. Was there a second one? I think so. No, that was, that was you. I'm scared to challenge Hume. it even now. Even, even now. After, <laughs> even now, you're still convinced care. that Keen. I know, it's like, the, the band... Keen spells yes, it that, the way that I Yeah, we I don't do it. names in Scrabble. Like Beatles. Yeah, the well, Beatles, they that, spell it differently that's than, than true. actual Beatles. So, I was just going on that. <laughs> I'm sure this is very fascinating for your listeners it to is. hear about our Scrabble competition. Um, so the reason why I wanted you to come onto this podcast more than anybody else in this particular week is because I've been pontificating. Ooh, I'm using big words. That's a just 70 for you. point word. Thank you. I'm pontificating on um the sweet combo of science and faith. Mm. And, of course, I was brought up as a religious kid. I was a nightmare when I was a child. Um, told people that they were going to hell just because they dropped litter. Like, it wasn't, wow. it wasn't nice. I wasn't a nice person. And I, for some reason, I thought I would be fine, even though I was horrible and cruel. Um, <clears throat> and so I had this sort of quite warped mm-hmm. religious belief when I was a kid. And then um, somewhere in my 20s, I lost my faith. Understandably, I went through some um, pretty awful 
sort of experiences, lost my dad, consecutive other people after that, and just lost my faith. So, of course, if I didn't have a good foundation in the first place, I'm definitely going to lose it in a really tough part. Mm -hmm. Became a very angry atheist, um, told everyone um, why I was an angry atheist, and would argue under the table in any pub if anyone gave me that subject to talk about. Um, but I also became really fascinated in quantum physics and science, and I kind of, my, my father's side of the family, they're mathematicians and scientists. Um, my uncle was the first guy that developed the first reliability program for the first rocket that landed on the moon. Some people will go, well, that didn't happen, did it? And I'm like, well, we're not even going Ooh. into this. Are we not going into conspiracy theories? Well, tell me, do you think we landed on the moon or not? Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to go on no! record. I don't want to go serious? on record like taking a hard stance either way. Okay. But I have my doubts. I'm, you have your doubts. Have my my doubts. uncle just what do you think he did? Play video games? No, 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 no. I think I think I think he wrote I think he probably wrote amazing code and different things like that. Yeah. I think I we don't did go to outer it. space. I do think we landed on the moon at some point. Just not in nineteen sixty eight? Not for sure. I'm just I have there's a there's a possibility of doubt. Are you the one that will go, oh, the, the flag was there and there's no wind up there and it was showing there was wind? Are you going to be that one? Just the lighting, the wind. It, you it, are it, joking it, me. Why would I'm they not fabricate? Why would they fabricate? Because of the political landscape with Russia at the oh, time. Okay. We had to, they had just launched Sputnik before mm. us. They had launched the first satellite prior to us. So they were ahead of us in the space game and we had to establish oh, okay. our dominance, the Cold War. All right. All of that played into it. As to but like surely, why. surely it's just too easy, even though we didn't have the internet at the time. Surely it's too easy <laughs> to say, actually, we just shot, you know, what's his face in a studio just down the road mm-hmm. in Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers lent us a studio for the day, mm-hmm. got them in a couple of astronaut outfits and they about why are all my podcasts ending up being about space i don't, <laughs> just, I don't know i literally had this conversation with amanda <laughs> last week and she was talking about wanting to do she said the earth wasn't enough and that she wanted to worship on the moon <laughs> <laughs> so anyway yeah, i'm gonna take it one further i want to worship on jupiter oh okay good for yeah, you yeah let me know how that goes yes the Send size me... of earth is not good enough i need a bigger planet <laughs> To house all of my high praise and that thoughts would, that would go up, and my thoughts, uh, which you have many. I have many thoughts. So the reason why exactly <laughs> the reason why I have Josh on this um, session is because I want to kind of like pick your brains basically about uh, self discovery, mm-hmm. mind, body, spirit, mm-hmm. and with a hint of science in there. Hint of science, truth, and th- or. Faith and science. That's yeah. That you, that's how you kind of started. Pretty much. So just talk to me a little bit about you, your discovery, what you like as a kid. Yeah. That's... Have you always been... Have you always been a Christian? Have you yes. always been... Okay. Yeah. Grew up in a Christian home. Um, so it doesn't count, really. It doesn't I'm count. Just... Yeah. I don't, I don't have like a great, you know, testimony, quote unquote. No. Um, we should probably end this now. We then. should. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so if much for listening have, like, to the podcast. If I don't have <laughs> rampant sex and drugs in my past, like, you don't want to hear I'm not interested. Just like, yeah, no, I Definitely chose the wrong person. Yeah, I lived really well. I never sinned as a kid. Um, not once. I mean, I made mistakes, <laughs> but I don't know that I did anything that would be hell worthy. Right. <laughs> At least until I was like did 17. Did you drop litter though? Because that's obviously part of no, I would. I actually always had like a conviction about putting stuff in the trash. I'm like, I'm a low-key environmentalist. I'm conservative Christian, but I'm low-key environmentalist. Like, oh. I'm like, let's protect the trees because oh. trees are good. And we're called to take care of our planet as Christians. 
So I don't know why it ever became a liberal versus conservative thing or Republican oh, versus Democrat. True. It should be like we're people who love our land, who love creatures, who love God's creation. So the Green like, Party. Why basically. would we not take care of it? Mm. Like, I don't know why we're so like excited about having like cars with crazy exhaust pipes that like pollute the I'm like this is common sense like it makes sense they, that like that black smoke cannot be good for cool. for anyone for breathing <laughs> anyway um yeah I don't if we're just if we can strike that from the record I know you have a no editing policy uh just kidding I'm not ashamed I'm not ashamed okay like so trees. as a kid as a kid you love trees so you were a tree them. hugger I, as I was you were a, a tree climber I was a tree mm, climber. You probably hugged them there. I was before a tree explorer, probably. I'm, no, I'm. <clears throat> yes, yes. Um, Were you sports, always, I was always fascinated and curious, though, in life? Because you seem to me as someone, just in the conversations we've had before this particular one, I've always felt like you're quite curious and full of wonder. Because some of the things that you come out in in conversation are just like, oh my gosh, you've done your research, you've read a thousand and 20 books this week and um you know so much about how things work why things work the way that Mm -hmm. they work as well as human behavior and yeah all that jazz so were you always like that as a kid i think so um i always loved discovery i always loved new things uh i was lucky I, i finally came to a realization at some point that i was actually very blessed to have a brain that can actually comprehend these things, mm. right? Like, it's, it, I, I, it doesn't come naturally to everyone mm. to be able to, you know, investigate into how things work and why mm. things work and, and actually be able to understand it and comprehend it. Um, so I feel very, very blessed and very thankful that I'm able to comprehend so many different things and the inner workings of things. Mm. Um, I think I'm naturally drawn towards pattern recognition. Um, mm. And so I think what's fascinating to me is, you know, as you <clears throat> start exploring one science or one um, you know facet of something you start to recognize patterns of, of how things work in general okay. and you can start applying those those principles to other things oh. um, and that's that's something in, in just really recent months actually between faith and science particularly that's really fascinated me mm-hmm. um, for years and all growing up and, and all around the country still currently especially in western Christian culture there's like this war between intelligence and faith, right? It's, yes. You know, people say like, oh, are you a Christian? No, I believe in science. Yeah, totally. It, you know, or, or vice versa. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. do, you, do you believe in science? Do you believe in evolution? No, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm not allowed to believe in scientific fact, you know? <laughs> and it's like, okay, well. <laughs> okay, good luck. There's, yeah, and, and I think there's, one, there's, there's a difference between truth and fact, right? Explain truth. that. Uh, uh, truth is reality. Uh, fact is measurable. Okay. And so I think as we look at science, what we're doing is we're, we're investigating fact, right? Mm. We're investigating what can be measurable, what can be repeatable, mm. what can be observed. Mm. Um, it can be described. It can be tangible. Mm. I think truth is a little more ethereal. Truth is a little more abstract. It's more uh, the description of reality. Mm. Um, so science might lean more towards like how things work. Uh, and I think truth kind of points more towards why. Um, wow. One... Fun example that, that I had this summer during worship school of, of a recognition of that was uh, Stephanie Gretzinger. Mm. She did a talk during worship school about being wild, 
right? Mm. She was talking about why she's so free and why she's so wild in worship. Mm. And uh, she mentioned a scripture in Zephaniah about how God spins over us and how he spins violently. And mm. she was like, if God's spinning over me, I want to spin right back, right? And we, we did this like thing in the room where everyone got up and just span, spun around, span around, spinned around. Spinned around. Spinned around and spanned. <laughs> we spanned spun. around. Spun. It's spun, it is. It's spun Nick. Spudnik. We're back Spudnik. Spudnik. We're back in Spudnik. <laughs> so, as I was thinking about that, in physics, there is um, the four fundamental forces. And one of those is gravity. And it's basically like, without this force in the universe, um, n- no life can exist. Right? It, yeah. It's what, like, holds I just fall out of Starbucks exactly. one morning, we wouldn't I? Float. Your, See ya. your cells, everything, you just fall apart. Uh, there'd be no creation of elements, there'd be no creation of the solar systems or planetary systems that mm. could like lead to life and um, all of that. And so gravity, it doesn't work without spinning. Mm. It doesn't work without rotation, right? Mm. So as planets spin on their axis and then like likewise they spin in rotation around the sun in their solar mm. system. And even beyond that, our solar system is actually in a giant rotation of like galaxy clusters and our right. like, galaxy is actually spinning like as a whole, which is keeping our solar system like in place. And even beyond that, our galaxy is in a larger rotation with galaxy clusters, right? Mm. So our entire universe is held together by spinning. And and so as I was thinking about that, I was like, the facts are like spinning or gravity, right, is, is, is fundamental to life. Mm. What's the truth? Well, the truth is, God tells us, you know, God is like, hey, what if? What if when your world feels crazy? What if when your internal world feels like chaos? Mm. What if you just start spinning? And you start to see me spinning over you, and that spinning is actually what holds you together. Wow. And it's God spinning over you, and it's you spinning and, and twirling around with God and letting letting his rotation be what sets your life on course. Mm. Just the way, like, the earth is on course for 12 months around the sun. Mm. Like, what if that same rotation applies to our life? And so to me, it's like, wow, science and, and faith are not at odds. They're actually complementing each other. Okay. And they're actually teaching you. Like, science is teaching me about God. Like, understanding the brevity and the importance and the, like, how vital gravity is and understanding how that works. Mm. Now, actually, how do I apply that to understanding what God has to say about the gravity of him being our anchor? And, you know, yeah. revolving around him. So to me, I, I, that's that's really what fascinates me is finding those connections, finding those patterns, pattern recognition. Like, oh, this is a pattern in nature. All of nature is created by God. So God is trying, you know, and in Romans it says, you know, uh, nature and all created things reveal God's nature and reveal who the creator is. So let's actually dig into studying how nature works because God created it as an overflow. Mm. It's part of him. When you create something, when you write a poem, you're, you're revealing a part of how your mind works. Yeah. You're revealing a part of the truth of who you are. And in the same way, when God created the earth, he didn't just go like, eh, I'll have nuclear sure. fusion work like this. I'll have gravity work like this, I guess. I'll have photosynthesis work eh, like this, I guess. Like mm. He was actually very intentional. He was writing a poem. And mm. he spent 13.8 billion years writing that poem to us. Wow. And so every intricacy of his creation is just like you writing a poem or writing a verse or writing a song. I'm not sure I would write a poem for 13.8 billion years, though. Well, something to practice. I'm pretty- 
What about a collection of poems? A collection of poems. Yeah. So really, it's a collection of a poems. A year max. Max. Wow. He has a lot more patience than I do. Okay, let me let me let me think of this then. I'm an atheist. What? Yes, yeah, no, you're that. right now. Obviously, <laughs> oh, oh, for all my oh. students listening, I'm very much the believer. Take that soundbite and destroy. <laughs> um, I'm an atheist. We're having a chat. Yeah. <clears throat> Side note: I'm really not a massive fan of an atheist walking into somewhere and a Christian knowing that there's an atheist and then having a ginormous agenda, agenda. to get them saved. Yeah. And thank you very much. I'm not interested in that mm-hmm. at all. <clears throat> what I am, am interested in is always the kind of conversations where you feel like an atheist is very open-minded to having a conversation. Mm-hmm. You can just tell if someone's just wanting to have a fight or yeah. whether they're actually interested in, in generally picking your brains. Yeah. So, so I'm coming in with, with a sort of open-minded, oh, you seem to be an intelligent dude mm-hmm. that has obviously looked into this himself. He's not been brainwashed into a sort of movement of Jesus and that's it. Someone said Jesus and you were instantly converted. It's more about there is something about your curiosity of science that I feel like I might be wrong, but has established and even uh, has backed more of your understanding of and faith and belief in in mm. in the Lord. Yeah. So so I'm an atheist. What would yeah. you say to me? Well, why do you believe in God? Right. Okay. I mean, if if you were an atheist that walked in the room, first I would just want to discover what you know. Yeah. I want to discover why you believe the way that you do. Yeah. Um, and like truly listen, because I think there's so much we can learn mm. by listening instead of being ready to tell. Mm. Um, and that's just part of my personality. I always like to make pivots. In, yeah. You know, I don't want to be so stubborn or so like bullheaded that <clears throat> it's like, this is what I believe. This is what's right. And it's like, no, let me hear. And maybe, maybe totally. I can make like a small pivot, small adjustment. Maybe I did get something a little bit wrong. Yeah. But in my willingness to concede certain facts, maybe that opens up a willingness on your part to concede certain that's truths. That's really good. And um, so anyway, yeah, First, that's the first thing I would do. Um, once we were to get further into the discussion, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily try to convince you of anything um mm. i think i think one thing that is interesting to look at though in the like you know how can you believe in god when it's something that you can't see you can't prove or whatever yeah. you know like so i believe in some you know invisible creature in the sky that, that made all this it's like, yeah okay you know it's fair it definitely takes an element of faith but if you look at the scientific approach because really i think a lot of a lot of the debate when it comes to atheist versus Christian, yeah. very little of the debate is around the heart, right? Oh, uh, a lot yeah. of atheists will look and you say, if you start presenting subjective experience, you know, like, well, I, f- I had this moment where I felt absolute peace and absolute this. Yeah. The atheist isn't going to be convinced because of that, for oh, one. Oh, you felt peace. Great. Right. I'm yeah. Good for you. Exactly. Like, <laughs> they're they're going to go like, okay, yeah, like, great. Faith. Yeah. You know, your faith in God gave you an internal peace. I can find that through meditation. Yeah. Yeah, Great. A lot of times where the like God doesn't exist comes from is not me combating your internal peace or love or good, Mm. you know, feelings or emotional health. It always seems to come back to the creation of the world. Right. Yeah. That's where it is. Where it began. Yeah. That's where, that's where it always kind of goes to. So you're saying that this, you know, giant invisible thing created all of us. Yeah. Like, that seems to be the, the, or, the point of contingency. Or, well, who created the creator? 
Who created? Which yeah. is always the exactly. juicy little number that I... The, the creator... So, <clears throat> ultimately, and this is why I came to Bethel, ultimately I think the best convincer is Signs and Wonders. Right. Okay. If if the atheist is sitting there with a broken leg and you're just like, yeah. be healed in the name of Jesus, that's a pretty like pretty strong convincer. But what if they go, oh, it's a placebo effect. Uh, Psychosomatic. Yeah. Which is, has happened before. I've seen a leg grow out and then saw someone watching it and they're like, yeah, but you know, it's amazing what the power of the mind can do. That's true. It's also amazing what the power of the name of Jesus can yes, do. Yes, exactly. But, <clears throat> um, but so yeah. So that would... So it, Anyway, I'm just like covering my bases here, you know. Very good. I know you have believers who are like, "Well, Joshua, you." But I'm like, "Yes, supernatural. It's great. Your yeah. personal subjective experience. It's valuable. It's great. Like, yeah. I don't want it to mean any of that. Really good at all. Um, but I, I think what it, a lot of times, what it goes back to is, you know, obviously the creation of the universe. Yeah. And uh, you know, who created the creator? Where did he come from? You know, uh-huh. or, or how did this all come about? And so it's like, okay, I wanted to explore the scientific side of the creation of the universe. Yeah. And and I actually remember. And we can get to this later, but I remember I had this moment uh, where I was like questioning my faith a few years back and was like, what is real, what's not? And uh, thinking about mind, soul, body, spirit, right? And talking yeah. about that. And, and for me, like I always kind of viewed mind more as like healthy thinking, right? Mm. You know, when we say like worship God with all Emotional your heart, soul, health. mind, and strength, we think about thought life yeah. or like mental health. Um, but I kind of had this moment where I was like, what if that actually means intelligence? What if that actually means intellect? What if worshiping God with all of my mind means learning as much as I possibly can? What if that means going to the furthest reaches of human intellect and still seeing God there and still finding God there? Because if I can go to the furthest reaches of human intellect and disprove Mm. God, like, is he really God? You know? Mm. And there is, you know, obviously elements of like fallacy and deception and things like that. But like if if human intellect is powerful Mm. enough to overcome god then like is he really god so for me that kind of gave me permission to like oh worshiping you with my mind actually looks like becoming as brilliant of a mind as possible and and finding you there and like discovering new discoveries with you and i think a lot of early scientists did that you know isaac newton and you know these these guys they were making incredible discoveries and i don't think that they were just like you know, getting these random revelations. I think they were partnering with God and God was like showing them like, yeah, hey, this is how light works. This is how gravity works. Mm. This is how, you know, these mm. things work. Um, so anyway, that's why like, I have permission and I love exploring the mind and exploring intelligence and intellect, like not in, uh, not in a way to disprove God, but in a way to be like, hey God, like find me there. Or I want to yeah. find you there. So anyway, with the atheist, um, if you were looking to try to convince them, um, I don't want to go into all the numbers right now because that would bore your audience, but um, just one simple, simple little act that that had to be set in motion, just looking at it purely from the scientific point of view, um, it, the odds are yeah. beyond the odds of believing in a giant invisible creature in the sky, right? So like for Earth... To come about, right? First, we had to have the expansion of, of the universe. Yes. If the universe had expanded at a rate that's like 0. 0.0000 like billionth faster, mm. it would have expanded too fast and the heat would have collapsed too quickly in such a way that nuclear fusion would have never happened, which means that suns and stars would have never formed, matter would have spread out. Mm. Now, if gravity had like if the expansion of the universe had taken place like 0.000 like billionths slower. Mm. So we're talking the difference of like 
the giant universe, if it had like expanded just fast enough that like the speed of a snail faster Stop or the it. speed of a snail slower, like like that kind of like difference, wow. then like it would have been too hot and actually gravity would right. have been able to pull things in too tight and everything would have collapsed back in on itself. Right. So just the probability of the speed at which the universe expanded, like in the immediate seconds after the Big Bang, looking yeah. at it from a scientific perspective, um, the probability of just the speed of the universe is like yeah. in the one in one trillionths. Right. That's step one. Like step two is then like the distance of the forming Earth from the sun. Yeah. And if we, you know, I'm sure people have heard these stats, like if we were like, one billionth of a mile closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we we're one billionth of a mile further away from the sun, we would, freeze you know, get death. so cold exactly and like, you know, freeze to death. Yeah. And it's like it just continues on and on and on, like the formation of elements. Like if mm. if the size of the Earth had been a little bit larger, then gravity gravity would have been so dense that only like hydrogen and like simple elements would mm. have formed. If it was, uh, you know, even too small of a universe, then like heavier. Um, you know, things would have formed, and we know that because as we look at other planets that are smaller and bigger, because yeah. of the gravity on the force of those planets, only like heavier elements or only lighter elements could exist. And if you don't have like a large plethora of elements, then you don't get the formation of amino acids and the formation of proteins. And if you don't have the basic building blocks of life of aminos yeah. and proteins, then you don't get cellular life, and then you don't get you know rhombiotic you know you don't get biotics and then you don't get like early creature wow. so it's just like when you just one of i think it's oh you know what actually that's my problem he's getting this, out his book. what is this book by the way I, I i can't necessarily recommend it on a uh, and you can't christian um what if so, they aren't easily influenced listeners and uh intrigued by this yes so this is this is a book called um biocentrism and this was a part of my journey a few years ago. This is the tagline, how life and consciousness are the keys to understanding the true nature of the universe. Yes. Ooh. So this this book really digs into... Has this changed your life, this book? I, I don't know that it necessarily because my, changed my One of my questions my was going to be like, what is the book that's changed your life? Oh, gosh. What um, impacted your life more than any other book in, in your time so far? <laughs> <laughs> Outside of the Bible. Outside honestly. of the Bible. Um, gosh, one, um, Quantum Glory. I think that's really interesting oh, currently. Okay. Um, I think, I mean, honestly, biocentrism was actually quite fascinating to really? me. Um, Hugh Ross, he's, he's an author. He's a um, Christian astrophysicist. Yeah. Uh, he has a number of books. He has one called Navigating Genesis. He has one called Why the Universe is the Way That It Is. Um, and he really unpacks a lot of... Um, wow. the odds and a, and a lot of like how the universe works and okay. then he kind of relates it back to um, Christianity and the Christian faith and how we can actually have a marriage between believing in the Bible and believing in mm. all of what science has presented as yeah. fact. Thank goodness. Um, I'm so glad someone finally did that. Yeah. You know, someone, Shh. you know, someone's doing it and it's great because he doesn't just um, look at it from a, um, like astrophysic point of view, he actually digs into linguistics, uh, early like Hebrew language and Greek language and unpacks like the meanings and definitions and how as theologians and Christians, how we may have misinterpreted those things. See, that's what my dad did. Dad was into linguistics because he was kind of moved over from mathematics to when he was an atheist. 
yeah. over to linguistics and then kind of sorry just completely taken away from you no but keep chatting giving me a moment to FF, find <laughs> FF Bruce um, was like the kind of debater against Bertrand Russell who yeah. would be the Richard Dawkins of our time if mm-hmm. that makes sense and um, it was FF Bruce that sort of started to change my dad's mindset really on a sort of on linguistics, theology, everything that was applied to the Bible, but on a on a on a way that could challenge the understanding of what science looked like. Um, yeah. Anyway, I also. I was like, yes, this is this is great because this is giving me a moment to find this exact quote that that I was looking for. But I think um, this is this is good because some of this was actually kind of my journey as an atheist. I was um desperately trying to prove the non existence of God. And I I don't know whether you remember or ever saw this viral that went around, but Stephen Fry, who's kind of like a well known writer and um comedic actor in the UK, did a very famous viral that uh talked about his hatred for the belief of God mm-hmm. and and said, you know, there are tumours um, in children, and there are. Do you remember I this? I remember viral? this interview. Okay. Yeah. And just and he was like, "Why would a god want his people to worship him? Why would a good god want people to be worshiping him?" And sort of talked about the vanity of God, and 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 looked at. It was, I mean, he was obviously very disgruntled, but his kind of anger sort of reminded me of what mine was like: um, the belief in a good god versus. Um, you know, if there is such a God, then why would suffering happen? Yeah. So that's a whole other subject that we might go into. We may not, but um, I think just part of part of that just sort of unpacking. I think some of these questions we're so scared as Christians to, to ask these questions. Mm-hmm. But I actually found asking the questions actually just for me cemented my faith in a way that I'd never done before. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it felt it. it it was above and beyond now being logical. It just felt deep-rooted and experiential to me. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, I mean, there's one thing about being factual and finding truth. There's also a thing then about it being a personal experience. Yeah. Well, and I, I think at, at a certain point, everyone need, needs to have that personal experience for themselves yeah. to fully be convinced. Yeah. Um, I think in the discussion with an atheist, especially if you're talking on a like theoretical, intellectual level... I don't think there's ever going to be any convincing of them to believe yeah. in Christianity until they have that personal experience. Mm-hmm. But I think what the intellectual conversation does is it actually just plants a little bit of doubt in their mm-hmm. certainty mm-hmm. of no God. Mm-hmm. Right? It places a little bit of doubt of like, oh, maybe, well, maybe, maybe it's possible. <laughs> right? And, yeah. you know, once those, then they start to discover, right? And then mm-hmm. they start to maybe question things and maybe they start to notice things and maybe they start to mm. maybe have dreams or maybe have you know these things and so yeah I definitely think that the personal experience is v- deeply important and deeply needed mm. in the personal conversion experience I think also the idea of actually becoming a Christian isn't necessarily the most appealing to a lot of people either some some mm-hmm. atheists think oh it's just a crutch right you know, in your yep. emotional needs um, and on the other aspect um, it's it's actually a severe responsibility to, to become... It is a commitment. It's actually a massive sacrifice as well. 
this isn't you can't really sort of play in the playground as you as you used to. Mm-hmm. Now you're actually going to have to take some certain sort of if you're going to have such a deep rooted belief. If you are going to be a, a Christian that walks the walk and talks the talk, you're actually going to make some serious sacrifices in this day and age. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes for me it feels like it, it, it makes more sense just to, let's just hold on to the science thing and the fact thing and and then I don't have to stay and look at truth or or yeah. even accountability to something with a moral compass. Yeah. It's true. I think that's that's where maybe a lot of hang-ups come up for people is that, Yeah. okay, no, maybe there is a God. How do I know it's the Christian God? I don't want yeah. to subscribe to this. I don't totally. Wanna, I don't want to have to yeah. adhere to these rules or adhere to this thing. And, yeah. And that's where, I, you know, I think the church is making a wonderful shift in the last few decades towards love, and we still have a long way to go. Yeah, we do. You know, we still have a lot of picket fences that yeah. we're really excited to tell people how sinful they are um, <laughs> and wrong. But I, I think the church, like, is you know, started to make some really, really good strides on the goodness of God, mm. you know, and, and even, you know, what's that like King of my heart, you know, right now, our yeah. song that we, that we put out, like songs doing great. And it's all, you are good. You are good. Yeah. You know, um, you know, the, uh, the new Corey Asbury song, reckless love. Right. So it's like the songs are getting out there. The message is yeah. getting out there that God is good, that God is love that. And I think that, that even in that recognizing, <clears throat> I think <laughs> a lot of people's problems is actually not with God. It's with, believers of God absolutely and that's where so much pain is it's not God yeah. hurt me it's my pastor hurt me yeah. or this believer hurt me or this you know yeah. group of believers so well I actually yeah. find like every time I, I have a new set of students each year at Bethel um, like this year I was so aware so many of my students were so scared of like coming close mm-hmm. being scared of being near me or approaching me and I saw this pattern as you were talking before I saw this pattern of them going, I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't, you know, I know that you have good intentions, but I've just really been hurt by pastors in, in the past, and I'm just, I'm, I'll be honest, I've been avoiding you all day. <laughs> and so um, one of the first group meetings that we had, I was on my knees with the rest of my team apologizing for what everyone else had uh, experienced beforehand, oh. and on behalf of leaders, I'm sorry that you were taken advantage of, I'm sorry that my authority had intimidated you and it meant oh. that you lost your voice. We did it for a good solid two hours. Wow. But it actually broke stuff off because I'm so aware of what the church has done before. And I was in part of their bracket. I'd been offended by the church. I'd been rejected by the church. I'd been mm-hmm. out, outcast, really, on some level. Um, because of some of the things that I was doing wrong, I, I understood in a way why they didn't want to have anything to do with me. But at the same time, no one was explaining to me why it was wrong mm-hmm. or what I was doing wrong. Um, and so I think we're getting, I think, honestly, I think we're getting better at communicating. Yeah. I'm- I agree. And hopefully being less judgmental hopefully. than we ever have been. Yeah. Your book I has found, an underlined I found this. I found line. This. I, I finally found it. <laughs> I'll, I'll read the, the lead up to it. Uh, in the last few decades, there has been considerable discussion of the basic paradox in the construction of the universe as we know it. Why are the laws of physics exactly balanced for animal life to exist? For example, if the, bang, if the Big Bang had been one part in a million more powerful, it would have rushed out too fast for the galaxies and life to develop. If the strong nuclear force were decreased by just 2%, atomic nuclei wouldn't hold together and plain vanilla hydrogen would be the only kind of atom in the universe. If the gravitational force were decreased by a hair, stars, including the sun, would not ignite. These are just three 
of more than 200 physical parameters within the solar system and universe so exact that it strains credulity cred- to, to propose that they are random. It's, yeah, so there's over 200 physical parameters that are that exact Ugh. that life, animal life, could not exist. So that's, that's where I would, I would maybe have a discussion with an atheist and be like, do, do you understand? What? It's taking more faith to be an atheist than not to be. Yeah. The, the odds of this planet mm. happening randomly by mm. accident, the, the number of physical parameters and the specificity that it has to take place in is so significantly greater than the actual number of planets that exist in the entire universe. Right, so if I was to say the odds are one in a trillion, they'd be like, well, but there's two trillion planets. So there's probably at least two of us like that. But it's not. It's like the odds are like one in so many hundreds of quadrillions, yet there's significantly less planets exist than the odds allow. Yet Earth still somehow overcame the odds to, you know, have physical parameters that allow, that permit for animal life to exist. Which is us. We are animals. So with all of that being mm-hmm. said, my arms are gesticulating <laughs> larger than I'm the room. Gesticulating. Um, with Sounds all of that. like a bodily function of some sort. <laughs> um, like you're going to want to get that checked out what? by a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Inspector Gadget. There's so much gesticulating. <laughs> I, um, I think to myself, so why did he make us? Why do you think oh, a creator that would be that strategic mm-hmm. to the different types of plants that we have in the ground, mm-hmm. to fish eyes that kind of part ways <laughs> in the middle of a bed, the seabed, like the most bizarre creations? And there are moments where I'm like, and when I, when I speak to people, I'm like, you know, what's the first question you would ask? at the pedigates gates and people go why cockroaches and I'm like well, that's your that's your question. that's it that's your first, wow I'm like uh, but I am fascinated I'm like why would you create us why mm. would you create human and I remember this I remember one woman <laughs> this is a whole other topic for another time but uh, one woman says I just think we're born to procreate and I thought well that's depressing because mm-hmm. I'm not yet there. I haven't procreated. If, you if, have no point to your if life. If my friends who are childless and haven't procreated, does that mean they shouldn't have existed on Earth? So it's sort of like, what do you think it is? What do you think the meaning is for us being here? Well, those are two different questions. Oh, so what's I the purpose of us, that. and why did God create? Like, why did God initiate okay. the whole thing? Great. Answer so one that. is is referring to his <laughs> mental state when he was like, hey. You know, yeah. like bam, split out. You know, like here's a bunch of yeah galaxies. Um, and the other one is like, now what do we do with that? Um, mm. So the why God, like why did you be <laughs> heck if we know? Um, <laughs> in my in my like teenage angst years, um, when I was very lonely, I was like, I think God was lonely. You know, and, and was, yeah. you know, so I could relate with him on that. It's like, oh, he wanted, he wanted communion. He wanted mm. relationship. He wanted fellowship. Mm. But as I've grown, like, I think God is not so small that he experiences loneliness, perhaps. Mm. Um, mm. And, and maybe, maybe it's something as, I don't want to. Well, he's tri- quite busy. 
He's he not, is. isn't he? He's yes. quite busy. He's very busy. He's got a lot of things to, to worry about. <laughs> um, I mean, before us, he had all those angels that were running I around know. rebelling, right? You know, <laughs> just got to whip them into order. They were like little toddler kids. Yeah. Um, but maybe, and not to trivialize God's nature, that's not what I'm, I'm intending to do here, but maybe just like the way that a kid wants to build Legos. Mm. Maybe God just wanted to have some fun creating. Yeah. Like maybe he was just like, hey, other me. Because he's yeah. a triune God. So he looked at himself as he looked back at himself. And, you know, because it says in John 1, you know, it says, uh, you know, God said to the word, let us create man in our image, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe he's just like, let's have some fun just making some stuff. Let's make some, let's make <laughs> let's some crap. Make you know? And like, and like, Maybe at the the onset of it all, mm. maybe he was just fascinated by the things that he was creating, and mm. maybe that's why it took him thirteen point eight billion years to get around to humans. Because mm. maybe he was just having fun, just like wow, and, and he was just like digging into like the molecular level, and maybe he spent a few billion years just like really messing around with how molecules work and how yeah. particles work and and how they they stay connected with one another through all of space and time wow and you know maybe when jesus said like i am the way the truth and the light light is actually what's like our cosmic speed limit like nothing travels faster it's the it's the mechanism by which everything is measured right how far away is the next planet it's this many light years away mm. um how fast is something traveling well at x amount of the speed of light right and, mm. and the the laws of relativity you know are based on like light mm. and measurement and so maybe when jesus is like i'm the way the truth and the light maybe he's saying like i am the standard by which all of life is measured mm. and it, you know so like uh, maybe maybe god was just like having fun and creating do you believe stuff. in time travel if we had the <laughs> Do I believe in time travel? Yes, because because there are there are theories of we just don't have the mechanics. So they've done this test, right, of mm-hmm. traveling around the world in a plane. Yeah, and they've actually beaten the clock right by about three minutes or something like that. Yeah. So essentially, if you travel fast enough, you could actually travel time. In a sense, yes. Um, I don't believe you can travel back in time. Okay. Um, because I've, time is a construct. It's not something that's sitting on a map. Okay. So once a moment has passed, it's passed. Okay. Um, your experience of time can absolutely be altered. And that's the, the test that you're referring to. So yeah. and that's again, like the theory of relativity, depending on, uh, how fast you're traveling yeah. or the measure of gravity that you're experiencing, you can encounter your, um, perception of time at a mm. slower or faster pace. Okay. So if you are traveling extremely, extremely, extremely fast, your perception of time alters, right? And, okay. and gets significantly sped up um, or slowed down. Like we don't yeah. fully know because we can't travel that fast. We don't yeah. have, we don't have machines that can travel that fast. We have, no. we can shoot molecules yeah. like that fast and then try to measure yeah. you know, how the molecules. So it's all theoretical at this point, but, um, yeah, in theory, if you're traveling, let's say, you know, like, you know, 50 billion miles per hour or whatever, what <laughs> which would I feel, do often which you when do, I think I'm you running do late. often. I have a you're a fast runner. I've seen you running down, management. running down the street. I, you know, mm-hmm. just like a blur. <laughs> just, it's like was that was that Carrie? Who was that? What was that? Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, in theory, what would feel like an hour to you on Earth, traveling at our normal like right. speed, you know, our normal rotation with our normal gravity, it would be the equivalent of days, right? Okay. And so like you would essentially come back, your body will have only experienced what is an hour relative to wow. what people were experiencing on Earth's speed and timeline was days. So like that's that's relativity. So depending on like the speed, what you're doing, time will feel relative okay. to gravity and velocity. Um, so in that sense, I think time travel to the future in a way is possible, right? So okay. if, if we sent ourselves or monkeys into space and traveled super, you know, yeah. fast, you could live the equivalent of what feels like 10 hours and come back and it's 100 years in the future. That's terrifying. So in that sense, you've traveled forward in time. <laughs> you've, you know, what only took you 10 hours took 100 years on Earth. Right, sure. Yeah. Um, also, on a molecular level... Much like when I go grocery shopping. Much like when you go, it feels like 10 hours, it but feels, really it's 100 it's, years. I look at the clothes, it's only 15 minutes. Yeah, mm. exactly. Do you know what? I remember actually, one of the, I, I used to get a lot of questions come to me from friends and they'd, be, they'd say, I don't understand why your dad's, you know, reverend when he is a scientist as well. And I went, oh, I didn't know that, that was a problem. So I <laughs> go and talk to him. <laughs> And I go into his bedroom at night and I go, Dad, why do you believe in God when you believe in science? And he went, well, Harry, and he'd give me all these sweet little sort of stories of his, his own experiences, which I always loved because it always sounded in my brain much better. But he said, um, he said, you know, I went to Trinity College recently and he'd, he'd sort of been sitting and, and watching the finest professors, the finest philosophers and the finest mathematicians in in England. Um, and they had um, a sort of fake finger hooked up to a computer. Mm-hmm. And they were making the computer send messages to the finger. And in order to bend it, it would take one second. And this was the highest intelligence computer on the planet at this particular point in time. But it still took one second for the finger to move. He said, now I want you to look at a pianist. And when they're doing some kind of beautiful Beethoven symphonic orchestral moment mm-hmm. and you're, or you're watching the flight of the bumblebee mm-hmm. played out, it's going much faster than a second. Mm-hmm. And those are the most intelligent minds that we have on the planet right now and they still can't get up to how we're created and how we're wired. Mm. Um, and, there are so, and then you listen to someone like John Lennox who talks about... Have you ever watched any of his stuff? I need to. Oh, he's amazing. He's the guy that kind of is kind of used with like debates now with Richard Dawkins. Um, he's a physicist and also a believer. And um, I a couple of years ago, I was in England just over the summer break. And um, on my days off, I try and see if he's speaking anywhere close. And he was talking about light and how mm. it's described in the Bible and then the creation of the universe. Mm. And I wrote a thousand notes notes I didn't understand at all because I was in Oxford and it was Queen's College everyone was very intelligent and I was writing a thousand notes and I didn't quite understand what I was writing down but it felt amazing <laughs> just whatever whatever I couldn't understand in my mind my spirit was taking up mm-hmm. so last question mind, body, spirit mm. talk to me about the combo 
and the importance of the combat. Because here's the deal. For yeah. as much as I appreciate intelligence mm-hmm. and the intellectual, there are times where I can have intellectual religious people mm-hmm. and there is zero connection with head and heart, yeah. zero connection with spirit, and they get very on their high horse mm. about people like me who ha- actually have some feelings yes involved. yes get those feelings oh, out of here what? disgusting out of here <laughs> my god no it's um yeah what I'm about to say is not <clears throat> necessarily theological truth uh, okay <laughs> it's this is feeling this is experiential okay. um I, I, I kind of view um like almost like imagine um a bullseye mm. and at the center you have spirit mm. and then the next ring around that soul and the next ring around that is mind and the next ring around that is body and I think mm. actually the next ring around that is like culture society things that that happen outside of your body mm. and actually the very very bullseye is God right even be closer in than spirit is, is actually just God that he mm. is existence um, can view, view it like that I've, I've also viewed it like a uh, almost like a cascading waterfall where you know up at the top you have spirit that flows down into uh, again from God like mm. the source flows into spirit that flows down into soul flows down into mind flows down into mm. body and then flows down into Again, outside of body, culture, mm. people, human interaction, relationships, whatever. I think what happens is the the flow of the stream mm. then gets messed up sometimes. Huh. And I think sometimes what we see, um, you know, I, I remember going through this season where. Um, I was disconnected from God mm-hmm. and slowly I started getting disconnected from my soul, mm-hmm. Started, which is like feelings, desires, emotions, just became an incredibly lethargic, mm-hmm. you know? And then I started kind of becoming a little bit disconnected from my mind in the sense mm-hmm. that like I didn't go crazy, but but just, just disconnected from like good decision making, mm-hmm. right? And disconnected from like caring about consequences. And, and I realized I was simply operating at a body level. Mm-hmm. And what was happening is it was being influenced by culture and relationships. And basically, I was just along for the ride. Whatever, whatever was happening in my environment, whatever was happening in my, my external world, whatever I could see, touch, feel, mm-hmm. hear, that's what I was doing. And that's what body is. Body is your actions, right? Yeah. So my actions were determined by external force. And, and I kind of like leaned into it for a little bit too. I was like, all right, I want to see what happens. What did that look like? Um... It, Without uncovering you in this journey. Yes. <laughs> um, it looked like what a traditional evangelical Christian might say is rebelling. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it looked like giving myself permission to you know, explore things of the world, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in enjoying you know, things of this world. Oh, I love C.S. Lewis's quote that I'm going to butcher, but basically, you know, the he he says uh, the things of this world it's not that they're um not pleasurable but they're far too cheap of a pleasure and wow. if we if we'd learned how pleasurable god was we'd you know realize that we 
we have a far greater joy, a far greater pleasure mm. available to us, but we settle for, for the cheap joys of this world. Mm. So for me, the, the stream was flowing the wrong way. So it was flowing from the bottom of external influence, yeah. external world, and then flowing up. So my actions were determined by that. And then obviously then that would get in my head because I would wake up the next day or whatever and I would feel like guilty or, or just be like, oh, that was stupid. Why did I do that? Mm. And then, then that would influence my soul, you know, to feeling like kind of depressed and feeling shameful and, yeah. and, and just feeling, you know, like kind of icky and like, oh man, I, I didn't feel good about that. And I kind of anger at myself. And then because of that, then that would influence my spirit. And I'd be like, mm. God, like, where were you? You, you know, you could have stopped me from that. You could have protected mm. me. So the the flow, the stream, the bullseye was, was going the wrong direction. Mm. And so for me, I had to slowly work my way back inward. Mm. And so like I had that season of like exploring, like, okay, I'm living at the outside ring. I'm living mm. at body only. Like, what does my body enjoy? What mm. are, what are, what are activities? What are drinks? What are people? What are, you know, sexual encounters, whatever that I know that I'm going to enjoy. Yeah. And just like from there. And then in that process, like I did discover that I still had boundaries. Like I wasn't some like degenerate that was, you know, murdering people or anything. <laughs> like, like I discovered I had boundaries and then like, okay, where are my boundaries? Oh, that, that was where my boundary was with, with that particular thing. Or that's mm. where my, that's where I got uncomfortable doing these certain things with my body. Right. And so then I would start to like kind of think about it and, and that started to like open up the gate of like my mind, which was then where I really went into this journey of discovery of science and discovery of like, okay, what, like, what does science have to offer? What does the world have to offer? What is the atheistic, you know, view on the creation of the universe? Like, and, and knowing that, okay. And then like after a few months of that, again, like pretty emotionless in this and like pretty disconnected from God, but still discovering for the sake of God. Cause I was like, Mm. all of this is like, God, I want to know you, but right now I don't, feel you, hear you, see you, sense you. So I'm going to like start with what I can feel, hear, see, and sense. And and then like start to go into my mind. And so then my soul started to like wake up back again. You know, like, oh, mm. wow, I can actually feel love. I, I can feel joy. And then I started to like tap into trying to live from like my soul, live from that soulish place. Like, okay, what's actually, what do I actually desire to do? Mm. And let's think about that and let's do that. What do I actually, you know, feel like is going to bring joy in this moment and and let's do that and there was still like obviously that wasn't being led by spirit so there were still things that i would do that were mistakes or sins or stupid stuff like that but at least it was coming from a real place it wasn't like i'm doing this because someone else wants me to do it i'm doing it because this is actually yeah like this Mm -hmm. is actually who i am or at least an element of who i am um and then Mm. um not even that long ago but a little while back then like suddenly my spirit started to to come awake again mm. and it was that place of like okay now that i've connected with myself and i've connected with my understanding and i've connected with my body now i'm actually able to connect with god but i'm connect and connecting with my spirit you know my spirit is that part of me that's eternal it's that part of me that's millions of years old yeah. and, that existed in heaven with god as a cherub <laughs> whatever I, as a little as cherub. a little cherub with an arrow i played cupid and was shooting people <laughs> with arrows um, you know, it's like now connecting with, with that part of me that's eternal mm. and then ultimately from there, then connecting with God, like the ultimate source. Um, so for me, it, it was like for my whole, not my whole life, but a lot of my young Christian life and my early adult Christian life, it was like living from fake spirit 
It was like, uh, it was living from a place of should. Yeah. It was like, ah, the Bible says I should do this, so I yeah. will, even though, like, it doesn't feel good to my body, it doesn't make sense to my mind, and it's mm-hmm. not fulfilling any desire that I actually have. Yeah. But I'm yeah. just doing it because I should. Yeah. And so, like, I had to release. I had to have, like, these couple years of journey where it was like, I'm just going to let go of all the should. Gonna yeah. Gonna let go all, and, you know, like, and for some people, that's super scary, and for you, like, Okay, yeah, that's super scary. I, yeah. I get it. You know, your journey's different than mine, but for me, I had to know what it was like to live like from true desire. Yeah. Because then now me going back to God is from a place of true desire and I know that it's not fake. I know that it's like, oh, oh I'm not good. I'm not going back to God because I should. I'm going back to him because it's actually true desire and that's actually where true love can flourish is from a place of choice, yeah. not from a place of obligation. Um so for me, I think that's why it's yeah, cool. super, super important to understand what, what is influencing what on your day to day. Is this, is this thing that I'm about to do, is this being influenced by outside coming in? Is this being influenced by like true soulish desire? Is this being yeah. influenced by my spirit that's being connected to God? Is this being influenced by my mind where I'm just trying to cope with something or to make something happen? Or is this being, or is this strictly influenced by body? Like, am I hungry? Am I, mm. you know, am, have I reached that? point in the month where just my hormones are in need of something right like and recognizing what's actually my body what's actually my soul uh, and and then i think you can forgive yourself a lot more too that's like you true. can recognize like oh like you know if you made a mistake with someone of you know the opposite sex you can go no that actually wasn't my soul that's not actually who i am that was actually just a body need i need yeah. to learn how to control that better and i need to learn how to like you know get yeah. needs met in a healthy way if you're single or whatever but you can recognize like, oh no, that was a body need, not a soul need. Mm. That's not who I am. Or you can actually recognize like, oh, that was a soul need. That was loneliness. That was loneliness yeah. coming out when I messed around with that person. Oh, okay. I think I, I think I need to start working on my lonely. You know, like how yeah. do I get out of this loneliness so that I don't do these things again? So the more you can like be in touch with those different interactions, you can help yourself lead into a life that you actually really want to lead yeah lead into a life that you want to live and then ultimately hopefully the goal is that it all starts from the center of that bullseye from the top of that waterfall where it's god the father influencing your spirit which is influencing your soul which is influencing your thoughts which is then influencing your actions and ultimately you're able to influence culture from there amen amen you're a fascinating mind do you just get slightly exhausted with how your brain functions? The times where I get exhausted, it's it's funny. In um, on the the uh, the Myers Briggs, I'm a yeah. What are you? ENTP, which okay. the the sixteen personalities. ENFJ, I think. ENFJ. I my, what do you mean? You actually, no. I can see being a P, not a J. J. So many people say that, and I don't actually know what the P means because all I cared about was J because that's all I actually. <laughs> we should talk to people about what Maya Briggs. Maya we Briggs, to, we're discussing. I don't, know, I don't think we have. Well, we don't. I'll do it quick. Do it quick. Do, it, do it in it, three minutes. In three minutes. Okay. Two and a half. Uh, just the difference between P and J then. Mm. Uh, a J is someone that <laughs> likes more so to control their life. Uh, a J likes to control their a life. A J likes to, like, they're more planned, they're more scheduled. Oh. Like, this is where I'm going and this is how I'm going to get there. No, that doesn't sound like me. Exactly. A P is more about experiencing their life. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so like, 
Exactly. In the presence of new information, a P will change their opinion. They'll change their mind. I'm not that easily influenced then. Maybe that's part okay. Of J. So that's also part of J. J is a little more black and white. It's a little more like mm. this is right, this is wrong. Oh, I don't like those. This ones. is good, this is bad, right? I'm a like P grace. is more like, oh, you know what? Maybe maybe that's not right. Maybe that's not wrong. Maybe oh. okay. So the presence of new information can influence a P. A J is a little bit more stubborn. Um <laughs> think yeah, those are a couple of the main differences. Control versus experience, like um, adaptable versus like more like uh, solid. Okay. Um, Do you prefer anyway. Myers-Briggs over Enneagram? Currently, yes. But I haven't... Do you? I haven't, I haven't dug into Enneagram Oh, much. you need to. Because um, I think I'm converting over to... Not that you have to choose one or the other, but I am converting over to Enneagram. Okay. I, I'll, I will definitely look more into it. But part of the EN, Sorry. to go back to your question, I never leave a loop unclosed, by the way. Please if do. If there's I'm, a question I'm that you also, asked like three days ago, I'm eventually like, oh, and by the way, her name is Tasha. <laughs> You're like, what? Like, you asked if I had a sibling, <laughs> and I never told you. I do. I have That's a sibling. That's true. You Tasha. do do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, you do that. We do that on conversations, I've noticed. Like, oh. Hang on a minute. We did the too many tangents. Yeah. But I'm a complete finish too, so I appreciate yes. you finishing. Sometimes. I'm not afraid to tangent. I just want to come back. Absolutely. And like, let's close that loop. It's yes, like storytelling like in movies. It yes. bugs the heck out of me when... A th- you must hate a Quentin Tarantino, whatever it is. Oh my is. gosh. They just Quentin present Tarantino. all these like side stories and these like mm. side characters and then they never give a resolve. You're like, why did that random character... Why did you present this random backstory because they knew and then you, you never closed that loop? The film and they yeah. wanted to annoy you. They never closed the loop. And so, yeah. <laughs> So going back to closing the Myers-Briggs loop, right? <laughs> Gonna get back to it. <laughs> ENTP, it's called, and I hate this, the debater. Because the ENTP is like driven by truth. Like oh what boy. is truth? Like what is, what, what is it? Like mm-hmm. I want to know what's true. I want to get to the core of something. I want to get to the, just the baseline of something. And so what will happen, and I do this in my own mind... And sometimes I'll do this, I'll do this with people mm. is like, I don't see us as arguing when we're, if we, right. if we disagree on a matter, we're, we're not heated. arguing. Yeah. The, like it's never me versus you. It's me and you versus this thing. Okay. And you're coming at it from this angle and I'm coming at it from yeah. this angle and we're both just poking holes at it. Yeah. Because ultimately what's going to happen is that eventually one of our arguments is going to have to fall apart under like the weight of the other person's, mm. and I hate to use the word argument, but facts and points and presentation. Yeah. But once something starts falling apart, it's like, there's the ultimate truth. Mm. You know, it's like, we've, we've, we've brushed away all the, the, the pomp and circumstance, all the yeah. opinions, all the, the feelings or whatever. And we've yeah. gotten to, to like, un, like, disputable truth of like, this is the matter. See, I love those. I love those discussions. The yeah. problem is, is when you're having those discussions with people that, that associate their opinion to their identity, then you can't have those debates That's not me. then. Well, and that's why I'm a P, is because like I'm willing to change. <laughs> See the the your your Janus so your Janus has like one you know way of operating. My penis has a different way of operating. Okay, we're saying, again, we Reset. haven't edited this <laughs> podcast, but it just sounds it's it's all Myers Briggs. Anyway, so I'm actually willing to change my opinion, but you're going to have to pick apart 
like the what reasons I believe, why the against reasons the why truth against that you are exactly. But if okay. you can present like real legitimate facts, and I have a lot of friends that if they're actually willing to engage with me, they'll be like, yeah, Josh actually doesn't hold fast to his opinion. Like he'll actually go like, you know what? Yeah. I feel like we should do. I feel like there should be another podcast, and we should get you against the person that you love to debate with the most. Okay. And just watch it take place. Okay. What bugs me is if sometimes people hold on. Yeah. Just, they'll just like throw stuff out. I'm like, you're not listening. You're just arguing for the sake of arguing. I don't want to do that. Like, I've already refuted that point. Quit going back to it. So I'll have to say, to go back to your original question, does Mm. my mind get exhausted with myself? Yeah. Because I'm the debater and I will debate myself. (laughs) And so what will happen is I will poke holes in my own belief in my oh, own opinion, wow. in my own perspective of things, and I will literally spiral for like hours just looking at the ceiling like, but have you thought about this? Yes, but if you take it from this angle, you'll see that you can, re- but it'll do this. And like, so sometimes I just have to stop and like What do you think. do at that point? Uh, I stop. You play friends. You I watch play, friends. I watch friends. Or, or what pulls me out of it is just being experiential with life. So going okay. and having fun, going playing out with golf. friends, going to dinner, playing, I don't play golf really. Okay. Um, well, playing we'll basketball, volleyball. Something. I'll go to the driving range. Aqua is there golf. a driving range? Oh, I haven't done just, that yet. I need to try that. Let's do that next. Anyway. All right. Well, I, I've sufficiently used <laughs> the full <laughs> this hour. This is the longest podcast. Is it really? <laughs> yourself i love it it was it was the best every point that i brought up i probably debated you, myself I, on and i and love it. i could have just pressed record clarify. and off you go yeah but thankfully kathleen pressed record yes so hopefully um, your users your your listeners enjoy it hopefully it's not all just like 17 year old cheerleader girls that would zone out you know no they might love this. that about you they, they might listen you're single. That's I said, I said on a molecular level. Do you, do you know what that means? Like, that's where everyone glosses over. And when you say on a molecular level, that's where it's like... And eh, switch and off. And this is and done. And thank you. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Thanks, Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I loved it. Anytime. Thanks for checking into the Carrie Lloyd podcast. Um, if you loved it, share it. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Carrie Gracie, Facebook at uh, Carrie Lloyd, and Twitter at Carrie Gracie. Um, we do have a website which is CarrieLloyd.net, and if you have any questions of any sort, um, then you can just email me at Carrie at CarrieLloyd.net.